to episode number 24 of Glass City Game Time, our Kobe episode. Still one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen, and thanks for listening once again and catching up with us here on Glass City Game Time. We always appreciate it. We always appreciate you supporting us, especially during this weird time that we are all living in still. This week, I am joined by Blade Sports writer Kyle Rowland. We're still both remotely recording via the internet. Kyle, how's everything going? Doing well, Corey. I hope uh, everything is uh, good for you in this uh, quarantine, endless quarantine, it seems like right now. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a while. Hey, we have the tools, we have the resources to keep going, whether it's you know working or whether it's home life. There's always the family aspect. I mean, I know you're around your family and I'm always talking to mine. So um, every week, if we can use this medium to either talk sports or be realistic about what's going on around us, I never want to be ignorant towards what's going on around us. And, you know, it's very real. I, I learned um, a couple of days ago that a former colleague of mine at the Vindicator in Youngstown contracted uh, COVID-19 and then passed away from it. So it's very much a real thing. It's something that everybody, I hope, is taking seriously. I think I said this last week. I think it's a good reminder that we all have loved ones and we all have close friends and family that we can turn to uh, at times like this. And I hope that everybody out there is doing that with theirs. So are you watching Tiger King? Are you watching any of these Netflix specials? What's going on in the Roland house during this quarantine? I have not watched Tiger King. I think I am going to start just to see what it's all about. Um I mean, I've basically just been working a whole heck of a lot. I've uh, been watching my 18-month-old daughter, mm-hmm. watching some movies at night with my wife. Um, I mean, it's been nice, but I would rather have inconveniences in my life and conflicts and things that are annoying and it just be normal instead of, you know, always being at home. Not that it's, it's not nice to be with your family, but I think we would all rather uh, have everything normal. Yeah, it's all about balance. It's that too much work or too much play, I guess. Um, you know, The Shining, I'm going at a reference there. So p- people I've seen The Shining know what I'm talking about. I've been playing an exuberant amount of video games more than I would probably like to admit. Um, also working, too, gratefully. Uh, we here at The Blade are still going. And even at sports where, you know, obviously no live events going on, we're still f- trying to find ways to bring content and to produce stuff. So... Very grateful for what's going on here. Still trying to find that balance myself, too. But lots of video games, lots of iced coffee that I brew at my own apartment, a couple of pints of Halo Top ice cream, and keeping it moving. So, uh, But Kyle, you're joining me today. We're talking some Ohio State football recruiting, as over the last few weeks, just because live sports has been shut down, doesn't mean the recruiting trail has to be closed as well. And Ohio State football coach Ryan Day has taken his social distancing to that recruiting trail. He has landed, we counted five in the month of March, really dynamite prospects for the class of 2021. And then there's one transfer that chose Ohio State. It was pretty foregone. Uh, I don't want to say from the start, but the the crystal ball, if you looked into it, uh, forecasted that Trey Sermon from Oklahoma would transfer to Ohio State. And he did do that uh, over the last few weeks here. And Ohio State adding some depth to the running back position in a world where we are uncertain right now of what Master Teague's status is going to be heading into this coming season. 
Yeah, I mean, if there is a season, Ohio State is going to be very, very good. Um, I mean, despite their losses on offense uh, last year, you're talking J.K. Dobbins, wide receivers, a uh, few linemen as well. I mean, I think the the offense could be better, which is just astounding to think. But you have Sermon, who was really good at Oklahoma for three years, actually scored a touchdown in Ohio Stadium during his career uh, in the 2017 Ohio State-Oklahoma game. So that's just an interesting tidbit there. Um, but he averaged like seven yards a carry over his career there. I mean, he's going to walk right in and start from day one. I think there's pretty much no doubt about that. So you got Justin Fields, a quarterback. You got a great running back. The, the offensive line is going to be a huge strength this year. Uh, and then you have a group of wide receivers led by Chris Olave that's going to be as good as any in the country. So offensively, Ohio State is just going to be a beast once again. Chris Olave, and then, of course, Julian Fleming coming to town. Ohio State's receiving core is going to be dynamite again. Tight ends are going to be great again. Offensive line, they're really building that total package. And I feel like Trey Sermon, you like to see Brian Day likes to use these two back sets often. And Master Teague, I don't know, remember the exact stat, but I, I think he was like sixth in the conference in rushing as a backup. Mm-hmm. So you see Ryan Day, the way he likes to operate his offense with these two back sets or rotating in RB1 and RB2. Uh, regardless right now of the status of Master Teague and whether we'll see him this coming season, you got a guy in Trey Sermon who can't shoulder that load. So uh, it's a huge get no matter how you slice it for Ohio State. For sure. And the one thing that helps well, too, is he's a great pass-catching threat out of the backfield. Very versatile uh, guy with a whole lot of skills. So, I mean, he, he fits into the whole offensive philosophy at Ohio State very, very well. And then behind him, I mean, you got Marcus Crowley, who's – showed a decent amount last year as a third string guy. I mean, everyone kind of knew that he'd be in the mix this year to be the starter Uh, steel chambers, who knows? Um, But yeah, I mean, they, the injury to Teague is big. I mean, he, he almost certainly will miss part of the season, if not the whole season. Um, So to pick up a guy, the quality of sermon, I I mean, you just can't overstate how important that is. And then, we could see a guy like Sermon on the field in 2020. As far as 2021 is concerned, this is really the bulk of what we were getting at today. Ohio State landed five recruits in the month of March, and the biggest one on the list right now, adding to that running back depth, this will be again in 2021, is Travion Henderson, who committed on March 27th. According to 24-7 Sports, he's the number two running back in their composite rankings. He's the number three recruit out of the state of Virginia. He's from Hopewell, Virginia. 5'11", 195 listed. What can you tell us about Henderson and maybe some of the schools? I know he was getting recruited by Alabama, Auburn, a couple SEC schools. I think Boston College at one point was in on him. But he drew a lot of interest from those high-caliber schools, and he he lands with Ohio State. Yeah, he basically had a, a pick of the litter. Um any big name program that he wanted to attend, he could have just amazing that, I mean, first off, Ohio State's had all those March commitments you talked about occurred after visits were canceled and during this whole shutdown. Um, so to to get that many guys commit to your program, basically, you know, during telephone calls or FaceTime calls with coaches is, is astounding. But Henderson in particular has never been to Ohio State's campus. So 
He committed sight unseen. That's basically how good of a relationship he had with the coaching staff and how much he trusted them. Uh, and he committed a week after Ohio State got the number six running back in the country. So clearly not afraid of competition, uh, a team type of guy, which coaches obviously like very much. Um, but just everything Ohio State's done during this coronavirus outbreak is, is pretty unbelievable. I mean, um, they're, they're, and just their 21, 21 class in general, excuse me. I mean, it's for, ranked first in the country. Once we get to the December signing period and February signing period, I think it will end up being their best class in school history. You know, 15 players right now are committed. 10 are ranked in the top 100. Three or five stars, uh, seven or four stars. I mean, just on and on. It's unbelievable. If you look at 247 Sports' recruiter rankings, coaches have 10 full-time assistants now. Five of Ohio State's assistants are ranked in the top eight, including the top two. So, I mean, just – there's so many of these crazy stats right now about how good their class is. And I mean, Clemson's is number two and Ohio State's is far in front of them at the moment. Obviously these teams are going to get more players as the year goes on. Um, but right now it's just crazy that, you know, Ryan day is better than urban Meyer by some metrics. And when you're talking recruiting, um, I was looking it up Um Day or Meyer, excuse me, he signed four five stars in his first three recruiting classes at Ohio State and 14 over seven years. Day is in the middle of just his third class. He's only signed two full classes, already nine four stars. So it's it's just crazy what Ohio State's doing on the recruiting trail right now. Remember when Urban Meyer left and people were questioning, well, how's Ryan Day going to recruit? What's going to happen? Is it going to be better or worse? I think we know the answer by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing. And I know we kind of – it's beating a dead horse or whatever, but you, you always just think about Michigan in these type of conversations. And it's just like, like what is there, that coaching staff thinking right now? I mean, Ohio State's already far ahead of them, and they just continue to pull away even during a global pandemic. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean – I think that when you look at philosophies and programs, you look at the quote-unquote way, the Ohio State way, the Michigan way. Clearly, the Ohio State way for the last decade or so has been far superior. You can look at that regards to what star prospects they pull in, what those prospects become, the NFL talent, the quality of NFL talent they put out all the way across the line. Ohio State, at least against Michigan – has done far superiorly, but now you're starting to put Ohio State. I know they got the number one 2021 class right now, but now you're starting to put Ohio State at just the top of college football. It's no longer competing against the Big Ten. It's competing against the rest of college football. Ryan Day, since he took over, has Ohio State was already a giant. We know that whenever Meyer was there. But now Ryan Day has kept Ohio State not just afloat, but he's even elevated what Urban Meyer's done. So it's remarkable, really, the job that he's done so far just in these last uh, few classes. Yeah, and even you mentioning about how they've separated from the Big Ten and now they're just, you know, this national brand and competing nationally. I mean, it, it just takes you back. I mean, just say a decade ago, 2010, Jim Trussell's head coach, this program could not be more different 
than what it was 10 years ago. And, and it was a great program 10 years ago that was competing for national titles. But I mean, it was just kind of a regional program that wanted to win the Big Ten. And, you know, if they could be better than that, I don't know. It's just amazing when you you look at and, – and everyone thought Jim Trussell was so good, and he was. But you look at it with a whole different, you know, opinion now 10 years later, I think. I could probably go back in the time machine and look at, let's say, 10 years later, again, for the sake of conversation, and look at the breakdown of where Ohio State is pulling recruits from – 2021 class, you got seven from Ohio, two from Pennsylvania, and then one each from six different states, and that's out of 15 so far. I would like to go back in the time machine and see the breakdown of states and how far Ohio State is actually branching out to get these recruits because you look at Henderson from Virginia, and looking at 2021, Kyle McCord out of Philadelphia, Donovan Jackson out of Texas, Martin Harrison Jr., Philadelphia, uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson, who we'll talk about here shortly from St. Louis, Ohio State is kind of branching out of the Midwest, out of the Big Ten spectrum, and starting to go south and starting to go east and starting to go west to find more recruits. Yeah, I, I actually wrote a big story on this last fall. Um, I mean, I, it became just a huge national program when Meyer came, but I forget exactly how many it was last year. I could find the story. Um, but it pretty much, I would say, it was like 35 40% of the roster was non-Ohioans. Days trying to make it a little more Ohio-centric now, um, just kind of talking about the importance of those Ohio kids and clearly the, the high school coaches in the state like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just staggering. I, I know this is way back in time, but it's still just crazy to think about. In 1957, Ohio State won the national title. All but two players on the entire team were from the state of Ohio. And then if you look at, you know, the last time they won the title in 2014, I mean, it would have been only 60% of the players or something like that would have been from Ohio. So it's just crazy how uh, different things are now. So you look at Travion Henderson, who is right now the top of the list, uh, arguably in that 2021 class. But you mentioned there was another running back that Ohio State pulled in, and that's Evan Pryor, who committed on March 16th. He chose Ohio State over LSU, Alabama, again, kind of pick of the litter, type scenario, top 10 running back recruit, top five recruit in the state of North Carolina, arguably. He's from Cornelius, North Carolina, 5'10", 190. Prior with his recruitment compared to Henderson, are they a similar player, different style player? What do you know about Prior right now? I mean, I, I think Pryor's a really, really good player. I mean, it, it kind of shows how good Henderson is that, you know, Pryor somewhat getting overshadowed because – I mean, for pretty much every team in the country, if they got prior, he'd be one of the biggest gets in the entire class, certainly the best running back they would have. So it just kind of shows, you know, how good uh, Henderson is. Prior, I mean, he's going to have a, a big-time future at Ohio State. And that's the thing that's so unbelievable about these guys they're getting is a lot of them you, you would think will play right away. And I think Pryor is, is a guy like that, that will get his time. You're going to see that this year with a mostly a wide receiver where High State signed its best group of wide receivers ever. I mean, they have four wide receivers that could play as true freshmen this year. Um, and then you fast forward next year, they could have two running backs who could be playing as true freshmen. So they're just getting these playmaker, you know, game-breaking athletic position guys to come in and make immediate impacts. Henderson, by the way, on 247sports.com, 
the evaluator, Brian Doan here, compared him to a Sony Michelle. Obviously a standout of Georgia, New England Patriots starting running back. They're saying that he could be a first-round potential pick of the NFL. And, I mean, we're projecting way out here. Evan Pryor draws a comparison to Damian Harris. And from what I'm reading here, he had some proficiency in the seven-on-seven football as well. So, I mean, obviously 11-on-11, and there's different leagues in high school and there's spring football and all that stuff. But I found that pretty interesting that Pryor was also a seven-on-seven player. Yeah, I mean, they're both, you know, athletic, I don't know, smallish. I feel like it, when you're, you know, 5'10", 5'11", that, that lends itself to being a seven-on-seven type player. I'm not huge in the seven-on-seven stuff. I'm not, like, an expert. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're both definitely powerful, but also fast, shifty, I don't know, kind of the perfect thing that you would want in this Ohio State offense, I would say. And then Ohio State, in addition to those two running backs in March – also pulled in three defensive backs and going based on ranking here, we'll start with Ja'Kalen Johnson, who's a four-star according to 24-7 Sports Composite, uh, the number four cornerback in the 2021 class, six foot 168 out of St. Louis. Uh, he chose Ohio State over schools like Arkansas, Clemson, Florida, Georgia. Again, all these high-level prospects really have their choice of where they want to go play. But Ja'Kalen Johnson – choosing Ohio State over those top schools in the South there. Yeah, he was a guy that a lot of people pointed to when Kerry Combs was hired that he would end up at Ohio State. Combs was pretty entrenched in the St. Louis area his first time at Ohio State. Great relationship with all those coaches. He committed very shortly after, I don't know, five weeks after, I would say, Combs' hiring was announced. So, I mean, he's a lockdown guy. Certainly has that first round. I mean, I know he's only in high school still, but I mean, he just feels like he's going to be another one of these first round cornerbacks. Building up this brand new room of cornerbacks that in a year from now are going to be developing into this pipeline that Ohio State has established really over the last, what, eight years, nine years, even further back, I could say, I guess. But you get my point here. Yeah, no, for sure. The, the interesting thing about all three of those guys is I mentioned St. Louis was a calm stronghold before. Uh, Devonte Smith is a Cincinnati guy, which is where Combs is from and was a long time successful high school coach. Uh, and then Turntine is from Nashville, which is where Combs just was coaching the Titans. Um, so it's just kind of funny how all three cities are these places that he is associated with, but his, I mean, impact, holy cow, just unbelievable. I mean, first of all, he's always been a, you know, highly regarded coach. He's a great recruiter, as he's proven already. He's number two, I think, nationally in the recruiting rankings. Um, and his just energy, even this the three practices Ohio State already had, the media was allowed to go. And it's just unbelievable how – and some people might think it's a shtick. It really is not. That is his true self. Just like I always try to tell people, P.J. Fleck, like that, it is not a shtick. That is who he is. Um but yeah, it's just uh, he's an infectious guy. He's uh, players always love their coaches, or generally they love their coaches. Man, when you hear Kerry Combs's guys talk about him, it's just different than than other players. I mean, he just truly connects with these guys on a different level, and they love playing for him. So Combs brings in. Let's talk about Andre Turrentine as well. Uh, six foot one seventy five, four star recruit. Uh, he, he could project as a safety here. Uh, he's a top 10 safety. According to the composite rankings, he's number six in the class. 
and number three in the state of Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, and he lands at Ohio State. And he has the ability, I would say, at least according to some of the projections, to measure out to a similar player that Von Bell was. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be a safety. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that that's a player that people have obviously talked about. Similar size. Um, I mean, he's a he's a big hitter for sure, which is a good quality to have, be feared coming over the middle, stuff like that. Um, but I think he'll uh, – I don't know if he'll play immediately like some of these other guys. I mean – it's not a knock on him per se, it's just maybe a position type thing, but definitely I mean, one of the better players in this class that is going to be one of the best in school history, like I said earlier. And then we talked about Devontae Smith a little bit here, uh, six foot 185 out of Cincinnati. He's a three-star recruit. He played at LaSalle, which is a football dynasty here in Ohio, uh, in Southern Ohio. Alabama looked at him, Cincinnati looked at him, Ohio State. Kerry Combs lands a Cincinnati product who can show off a little bit of speed. He has a little bit of room to grow. So we'll see how Smith turns out uh, as a three-star. Yeah, he's a guy. I mean, Ohio State doesn't take a whole lot of three-stars. But, man, when they do, it's just unbelievable the level they hit on those type of guys. I mean, three-stars are generally, you know, projects, maybe under-recruited guys. I mean, Chris Olave was – projected, you know, according to rankings, he was the worst player of Ohio State's recruiting class a few years ago. Obviously, he's turned out to be unbelievable. Smith will probably end up being like a top 10 draft pick based on that. <laughs> yeah, really, based on the based on the track record there. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I can't believe I mentioned earlier about the the lineage of defensive backs. And I went back to 2010. And realistically, I could have went back to about 2005 looking at guys like Chris Gamble and then fast forwarding to Malcolm Jenkins. And now you have guys like Bradley Roby and Marshawn Lattimore. And I mean, I can name a hundred names here, probably Von Bell and Kirk Coleman. I can name a hundred names that have come through that Ohio state pipeline, whether they were five stars or three stars and you get Kerry Combs coming back from the Titans. And that just adds more fuel to that fire. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. It, it really is astounding when you, Look at who they've had in their backfield. I mean, almost since like the 1970s, consistently just these huge names. And I mean, that's kind of all leads back to recruiting as well. I mean, these guys, when you see NFL players coming through and they're producing them, regardless of who the coaches are, because obviously they're not the same coaches over the past 30 years. Um, it just, you know, speaks to them. And uh that's all what they want to do is play in the NFL. And if you have a place that can turn players into NFL players with million-dollar contracts, uh, or multi-million-dollar contracts, I should say, then that's where they're likely going to go. Yeah, and then looking at this year's NFL mock drafts, you start to see a couple of the defensive backs. Obviously, Chase Young as a D lineman. Jeff Okuda could be top five picks, probably are going to be top five picks. And now you look at J.K. Dobbins, who could eke in there, but that's the lineage. you got a defensive back and a running back in there. And here are five players that committed within the last month, defensive back, running back. So that's obviously a testament, too, to what Ryan Day has been doing. So this is just the start of it, too, which is the absolute insanity part to think about. And we're going to be, I'm, I'm assuming, reading over various parts of the summer and even eking into early fall when hopefully we have a season to play. 
where Ryan Day is pulling in even more recruits. Future looks really good right now for Ohio State. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. For sure. And uh, if, I mean, it's, it's set up pretty well for them this year. I mean, it's just going to be fascinating to see what happens with football. I mean, obviously none of us really know. We can all speculate and, you know, ponder. I think it's hard to imagine the season happening as normal. I think it's probably going to happen in some form, but it's hard to envision Ohio Stadium filled to capacity on September 5th when they play Bowling Green. I just, I don't know. I mean, I know it's five months away, but I don't think we're going to go from zero to 100. And it doesn't seem like we're going to be back to any semblance of normalcy until late May or June. And then, I mean, are 100,000 people going to be able to congregate in one place in September? I, I doubt it, but we'll see. Yeah, we have to see what the the powers that be within the medicine world can do. And, I mean, I would say that even over the last week, reaching into the topic of realness here, even over the last week we have seen a lot of positive developments and then some negative developments regarding this virus and regarding the science behind it. And there's a reason why Ohio Governor Mike DeWine and uh, Dr. Amy Acton did what they did in instituting the stay-at-home order. They kind of got ahead of everything. And, you know, the reasoning behind it economically, of course, is different than in what it is socially. But I think that once everybody else catches on, maybe there's some faith and trust in medicine and maybe something does get worked out in a utmost positive case a vaccine in a positive case some way of actually controlling it you know right now it's a wildfire scenario so obviously the sports world is put on the back burner for that which is fine we'll, we'll be able to get back to it it's just kind of a matter of when and how as you said there so hopefully we are playing some football in once we get to august and september here yeah i think it would do all of us well to to have uh football back just for morale i think i mean Sports are not life and death and football, obviously, under uh, the in the past, you know, decade or two has its own issues. But it's definitely become America's pastime, I would say. And uh, people are going to be aching for it when August and September come around. Well, I'll say this, too. I think people are finding their ways to get the fix in for sports if they're trying to watch stuff on demand. And I'll give credit to a lot of the major sports networks and even leagues themselves. I know major league baseball and their YouTube channel has shown a bunch of classic games. Um, Fun fact, the highest audience recorded on ESPN this past week was a re-air of WrestleMania on Sunday. I believe it was WrestleMania. It wasn't 34, it might've been 32 back in Dallas. This would have been four years ago, but I just found that kind of funny that people are turning to that now, which by the way, this weekend is technically WrestleMania weekend. So they're not having a live show. They were supposed to have it at a uh, Raymond James stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. I think they sold like 80,000 seats, but uh, obviously that's not happening. So they recorded a house show like in a, in an empty gym basically to have for WrestleMania, which is just weird. But I found that kind of funny. I, I read somewhere that ESPN had their highest ratings of the week from an old re-airing of, WWE, which a lot of sports, genuine sports fans might say is fake. So 
we'll take those. Yeah, that um, is funny when you think about it. <laughs> is it. So is is the event, is it going to be called WrestleMania this weekend or is it called something else? So here's what they're doing because I'm a WWE fan. I equate it to like watching a TV series, its characters, its storylines. They're just wrestling. Um, what they're doing is they have a performance center. Their training facility is in Orlando. And what they've been doing for Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, their two weekly shows that air, and even um, NXT, which is a former minor league brand, if you will, that they're now television on Wednesdays, they've been pre-taping shows like one after another, after another, after another, and then just spacing them out, airing them when they would normally air. So to my knowledge, they've already filmed WrestleMania and they did the matches at the Performance Center, but they are airing... Normally, it would be like a seven-hour pay-per-view, like a six-hour pay-per-view with a pre-show and a mid-card match schedule and then the main show, which is like another four hours. So they are doing Saturday and Sunday. They're doing three – I think it's three hours and 15 minutes or three and a half hours. They're doing them on each day. So those are all pay-per-view still. So you either pay 50 bucks on – I think it's Fox Sports is carrying the rights – and uh, you can watch it on WWE Network, which is a $10 a month subscription. And the host of WrestleMania this year, funny enough, is Rob Gronkowski, who has a contract now with WWE. So we're living in a weird world here, Kyle. <laughs> so that's what I'll be watching this weekend. It's, it's something, you know, but that's the point is it's something. People are trying to gravitate towards something right now to fill those voids left. No college basketball. No NBA playoffs, no NHL playoffs, no start of MLB. College athletics are on hold. High school athletics on hold. Everything's on hold. And now we're starting to get into those discussions about football season. So we're all hopeful, like you said, we're all hopeful that there's going to be a season, whether it's without fans or which I couldn't imagine a like Ohio State versus Bowling Green without fans in, in Ohio Stadium on opening day. That's just weird to think. But if that's the way it has to be, then – I think people will gladly take that. So we'll get there. Just a matter of uh, when. For sure. Uh, any final thoughts before we officially get out of here today? No, just uh, hanging in there. Um, it's been the thing that I have found most surprising and wonder what other people are doing as well. But despite no no sports taking place, it has not been difficult to come up with stories to write. I thought yeah. it would be much harder, but here we are in the third week now, and it's been pretty easy. So hopefully that continues. Count your blessings when you can get them. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm in a little bit of a different boat than you are because most of my stuff is editorial, and I'm on the receiving end of your delivery, if you will. I've been doing the spotlight athlete features and I've enjoyed that uh, even remotely this week. I wrote on Northview hockey's David Crandall, who is a second generation player at Northview. He has his dad and four uncles that played before him and really good family. I got to uh, get to know a little bit. So I wrote about that, but like even just the little things like that, I think what we're all doing and we're very fortunate that there are stories to still cover. And even if it's not live action, coronavirus is still news and sports is still news. So we're still affected by it. So there's definitely going to be something out there. I, I can get with that. I guess that was my final thought too. 
I, I guess my final thought is I agree with you. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll kind of we'll kind of take those where we can give it. Kyle, stay safe. You know, hope your family's all well, and we'll all get through this together. As I mention every week, as long as we do the right thing, follow the right protocols, listen to the governor, listen to the doctors. It might be a longer process than we like it to be, but we'll get there. So thanks again for the time, Kyle. Appreciate right. you. Sounds we'll good, Corey. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. As for those of you listening, if you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave a like rating. And always, we appreciate a subscription to Glass City Game Time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify, anywhere basically where podcasts are found. Just find Glass City Game Time. You can search it. And uh, again, we appreciate a like rating. We appreciate subscribing. We appreciate you sharing any episode, really. And uh, this one, especially if you're an Ohio State football fan, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got to know some of these players a little bit better. Uh, That's our job here. We're trying to inform the masses of what's coming. And I think there's a lot to be excited with for Ohio State football. So for Kyle Rowland, my name is Corey Christen. This has been episode 24 of Glass City Game Time. And we'll talk to you next week.